0: It's a for your life to accomplish You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go V1. You know, I want to tell you a quick story for those of you who are maybe newer to V1 Church. I'm the lead pastor. My name is Mike Signorelli. My wife is uh, the co-lead pastor because we're breaking that glass ceiling. Uh, here, and uh, she's incredible. But uh, when we first launched this church, we uh, before we went to weekly services, we did preview services, and Brent was actually here for preview number one, where 75% of our entire worship band were people from Indiana, and we were trying to fake everyone out here like we could actually do this. Um, and Brent was here, and, and just for him to be able to see what this thing has progressed and what God's done in our midst in such a short period of time has just blown his mind, and it's been cool for him to, he was at the HQ early this morning with us, he's like, dude, you have your own headquarters now. You didn't even have heat in your apartment when I was here last January, and I was like, well, that's just a January thing in New York. If you know, you know, but we're just going to jump into this message today. And I just got, listen, it is okay in this environment to talk back. Okay. Cause I want to make sure that you're engaged and I want to make sure that, that you're leaning in because I get too many confirmations every single week that I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit specifically for you. And this this hallway between services were just was just full of people who were who were crying and just telling me that this message really hit target and you know sometimes the the quieter it it is the the more damage is being done in the spirit realm so that's okay if you've got to listen but I also want to say it's also okay to give me an amen every once in a while and you know you can just get a little rowdy can I get an amen? amen it's kind of fun too you know to yell back Um, People who come from other traditions are often like, it just feels like I shouldn't do it. And I'm like, yeah, but that's how you live most of your life. You do what you shouldn't do. So, um, (laughs) well, (laughs) well, (laughs) anyone here going to take notes today? We have any note takers? I'm I'm usually a plain text Bible. I like my Bible without notifications, but I've got a lot of scriptures today, so I have them digitally, so we can make it through in a reasonable amount of time. And for all of our first guests, that's um, about three hours of preaching. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're like, "Honey, that's our cue. Let's go." But the title of this message for your notes is "New Year, New View." New Year, New View. And I just feel like it's a special word. It's something that God kind of dealt with me about before I even presented it. Um, I'm a visionary. Is anyone else here kind of like a visionary? Any like Walt Disney types, like Steve Jobs types in the room? Okay, we got a couple. I mean, we we have 15 feet of speakers in here. Um, We definitely attract visionaries. But, you know, before I got here, the, the gossip about Long Island was that Long Island is definitely not the Bible Belt. That was the gossip. Long Island is uh, a desert. And they said the phrase that just annoys me more every day. And you've probably heard it if you've been in the Christian, Christendom is this stupid phrase that this is the graveyard of churches. Have you heard that? And I've actually heard people say it across all denominations. And and I'm like, did you read the Bible? Wasn't the graveyard the place where Jesus like resurrects the dead? You know what I'm saying? Isn't the graveyard the place where the greatest miracle takes place? Like, doesn't that qualify this region for a miracle? Oh, but... Before we got here, Julie and I cast vision for the first year. And what vision is, and for those of you taking notes, this would kind of be the first one. The difference between vision and view is vision is articulating that which is not yet but will become. So vision is getting up ahead into the future and beginning to somehow make a blueprint and, and say like it doesn't yet exist in reality but but it will exist and it will look like this and and it, when you get into that realm of vision, you will it, it's actually like something that for me now has become a knee-jerk response it's more of a reflex than anything and Do you know that there is very few things that happen here at V1 Church that Pastor Julie and I have not had vision for first? So much so that within the first six months of our church's existence, which was not too long ago, we had accomplished 100% of what we saw for the future for a year in six months. So we went to the Adirondack Mountains where all spiritual things happen here in New York. And we started to get a fresh vision to get out further along. And we live in that space for me now and i've got to before we jump into scripture you know i've got to confess like a really shameful thing like i have become so uh i've exercised that muscle of vision so strongly that it has actually distorted my view so this is the difference between vision and view now when i worked at road to life church which is our sending church and my pastor Dave and Vanessa Gargano uh when i was their executive pastor we had a lot of interns that that we paid an incredible amount of money. Um, <laughs> so everyone packed their own lunches and you know, for those of you who are married like, you, you tend to like make your spouse a lunch when you realize that if they swipe the card one more time, you're going to debtor's prison. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't want you to think like we had the best marriage ever, that's why Julie made me lunches. It was like she made the lunch and they would say don't buy anything today or we'll die. <laughs> so I would put my lunch in the refrigerator and then by the time lunchtime came because it had shifted locations, I would actually have to FaceTime my own wife and, and use that camera on FaceTime and have her tell me where my lunch was. Because I had so much in my mind, like sort of fixed it in position that even though I was looking at it with my physical eyes, my my physical eyes were being biased by vision. So my view was being biased by vision. And it's so strong now that I can't even, I see how I've spun it and made this a good thing. Like it couldn't possibly be my intelligence, Um, but it probably is. I can't even find deodorant. I can't find, it's like a joke, like dad needs help finding stuff now. And I'll look in the cabinet, but I don't see it right in front of me because in my mind, I put it somewhere else and that's where it should be. And it it couldn't possibly be anywhere else. Is there anyone who can identify? Okay, okay. People just started yelling out family names (laughs) like it was a generational curse. The Smiths, right over here, all of us. (laughs) But but, but what I want to talk to you today is like, because I think a lot of corny, cliche pastors love preaching on vision in, in the new year, I want to talk about your view. Because what I believe that God wants to divinely do in your life, if you'll let him, is give you some tools and some ability to change your view, because it's being biased by a perverted vision. Anyone here want to walk out of this place with a new view? Okay, three people about to receive the anointing. <laughs> there you go. Come on now. So let's let's write this down. I'm gonna give you um I'm gonna give you each letter to spell out view and make it plain for you. Make it plain, preacher. The first one is this. It says vocabulary. New view, V for vocabulary. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. You can just jot these scriptures down as we go. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Let me read this again. Do not, say do not. do not. Okay, do not, it seems to insinuate this is a command. Okay, so think about it like that, especially if you're a believer here. Do not let any, someone say any. Do not, so don't do it. It's a command. Do not let any, not a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. No, it doesn't say don't thank it because it feels so good to thank it. In my mind, I am Chef Ramsay. In my mind, as stuff is unfolding around me and Dream Team members are dropping cases and they're breaking and all this stuff, I am Chef Ramsay. I have just conjured up every curse word But it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only, someone say only, what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, this is important. Ephesians chapter 429, how do you, new year, new view, how do you change your view, change your vocabulary? Now, last night, my wife uh, sent me to go get pizza for the Indiana folk, for the simple folk from the Midwest to experience real pizza, not that deep dish stuff. The kind of pizza that's so floppy you have to fold it and pour it down your throat. And as, we, as I went into that pizzeria down the street from us in Queens, the guy said, my, your wife called and said, don't forget the soda. I was gonna say pop, but then I'd have a revolt because we drink pop, you guys drink soda, and, and so when he said that, I'll be honest with you, like, even if I forget things, I never want to be reminded. Is anyone else like that? Like, it is so insulting to remind me that I need to be reminded and my, and I don't know why, but looking at him and he was another guy and you start getting that testosterone flare up. I, even as the marriage counselor of V1 church, I, I conjured up a diss to my wife in my mind. I went to chef Ramsey and i looked at him and i went to go say i won't tell you what it was i love my wife but it was just like she called while i'm walking down the street serving her you know what i'm saying someone's like he's wounded <laughs> and as i'm walking down the street she thinks he is so incompetent i have to call i'm just kidding <laughs> but long story short i went to go diss my wife and you know what happened i thought about this message today that said new view no, new vocabulary And I thought, I have a choice to make now about how I communicate to this man about my wife. And you know, I went to go conjure up that diss and it was gonna be a lighthearted, stupid diss, but I looked at him and said, and I flipped it and I said, she's a good woman, isn't she? And when I said that, you know, he looked at me for a half second like, that's odd. He didn't diss his wife like 99% of other men who don't understand chivalry. Um, He just complimented her and and I saw him process it and then he said, yeah, you're right. And I changed my vocabulary and it changed my view because I had to be willing to accept the fact that she wasn't micromanaging. She was helping. And some people do, but that's another sermon. Okay. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You know, one of the litmus tests for your wisdom, because a lot of people claim to be wise is, do your words heal? A matter of fact, if you want to do a checkup on your, the level of wisdom that you're flowing in your life, I want you to just ask the people closest to you this simple question, do my words heal you? And if they laugh, you are not wise with your words. If, they, if their first response is, <laughs> <laughs> oh. You are not wise with your words. And we've got to become a people that heal with our words. And we live in a culture that teaches us how to pierce like swords, but doesn't teach us how to heal with our words. And the last one I want to read is Colossians 4, 6. And I'm just giving you a lot of scriptures to read this week as you meditate on this word and its implications for your personal life. It says, let your conversation be always. Someone say Always. Always, does that mean most of the time? Always means always. Be full of grace. Season with salt that you may know how to answer anyone. Season with salt means provoking thirst. Season with salt means talk to people in such a way that they desire to hear more of these words that heal them. Talk to people in such a way that it produces, it's seasoned with, with salt. I don't know what it is about those people from V1, but I love it when they start talking. Maybe it's that Midwest vernacular. I don't know. Maybe because they sound like they're from the sitcoms I grew up. In. No, but let it be seasoned with salt. I mean, that's an intentionality. And, and this is about new year, new discipline. Anyone willing to go there with me today? Anyone want the grow up conversation? Let's do it, man. This is time. Okay. The, that's the V V for vocabulary. I for identity. New identity, new view. And many of you are probably thinking like, man, he doesn't have the time to deal with the complexity of the issue of identity. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus did it in one sentence. Would you believe me if I said Jesus dealt with the complexity of our identity with one sentence and said, I can fix your view if I can fix your identity? And here's how I do it. It's one word. Are you ready? The word abide. And he did it in one sentence in John chapter 15, verse 5. Let's read it together. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So your identity will, it comes down essentially to where are you abiding? You know, it's like my identity because I was raised on welfare with a single mother with five kids in Northwest Indiana, outside of Chicago. My identity was was really relegated to where I was from, you know? It was like abiding in that place at a certain culture. So you talk a certain way. You say library, not library. You know what I'm saying? You say was when you should say were, right? You don't know the proper you're. You don't even know that an apostrophe R-E-N exist for that word. You know what I'm saying? Anyone else abide where I was abiding? Okay, maybe not. We're in Long Island. (laughs) But where you abide does something to your identity. And Jesus said, if you will abide, if you will remain in me. He didn't say, if you will check in once a week for a couple minutes with me, you will. He said, if you will remain in me, And I and you. Now look at this. He says, you will bear much fruit. You know what that means to bear fruit? Because most of us are not in an agricultural society. And and Christians love to talk about, you know, will you just follow the fruit? And everyone's like, what does that mean? It means when you bear fruit, it means that you can tell the level of toxicity of the tree by the quality of the fruit that it bears. So rotten fruit is an indicator that the tree, in fact, is toxic. And so let me just tell you this. Like, if you look at somebody's relationships, have you ever melted? Can I just, we have a moment of truth right now. Can we just go there? If you look at people's lives and they haven't had a relationship that's lasted more than six months, they're not bearing good fruit. There is a toxicity in their life that is producing that outcome over and over again. That's called a cycle. But on the flip side, you can be healthy. And it says, if you will connect yourself to the source of life, which is Jesus, that vine, then, and it says, you are actually the extension of me. So I'm healthy, so I desire for you to be healthy. And if you remain there, instead of just checking in, if you remain, so what does that look like? You're going back to work on Monday, right? Can you remain? Can you abide in him while you're in those conversations? You know, you're going back to school. Can you abide? Can you remain? in him. And we compartmentalize. And I'm telling you, take your mashed potatoes and your peas and your carrots and your corn and your meat and put it in a blender. That's how we're supposed to abide with him. But we say, well, here's church over here. And, and, I, and I look the part and I play the part. But here's my marriage. And I would never pray with my wife. And, and then here's a, a school. And then here's work. And I got a persona for each one. And I just go to my pile of masks. And I pick up each mask it's time to wear for that part of my life. But he says, if you will abide and remain in me and, and, and everywhere you go, you're truly connected to the vine, you will bear much fruit. Let me read you this. To abide in Jesus means to keep his commands and to keep his commandments means to love God with all your hearts and souls and minds and to love our neighbors as ourselves. You begin to abide. Can we keep going? Expectations, E for expectations. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 18 says, there is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. There is surely a future hope and your hope will not be cut off. This is your expectation. You know, I want to kind of come off the rails here because we're going to be closing this thing out soon. But can I just, how many of you know the Bible and you remember that episode where Jesus was in the wilderness? Do you remember that? And Satan was testing him in the wilderness. They were actually duking it out over scripture. And, And so what was being tested in that moment wasn't how much scripture Jesus knew. It was how much of the heart and the attributes and the characteristics of, G- of God that Jesus knew. That was what was being tested. And some of you in this place, it's like you're beating yourself up for not memorizing Scripture, but you don't know the author of it. It's like you're literally like, well, I didn't do my devo, so I must not be a good Christian. But I can tell you right now that until you learn the heart and the persona and the very attributes of your father, you'll literally turn into Satan quoting it to somebody else. And our church is full of those people. Not this one, the church down the street. (laughs) But, but but I just feel like somebody needs to understand that you're in a wilderness experience of your life. And what's being tested isn't your Christian knowledge. What's being tested is your relationship to the very one who holds your destiny in his hands. And that's how Jesus was able to access a new view. Because see, Satan was saying, well, just throw yourself off. Because it says in Psalms that you can throw yourself off and the angels will rescue you lest you dash your foot against a stone. And what he actually responded with wasn't just a Another scripture he responded with the heart of God yeah, that's right. and so for you until you get into that place where you know God knowing scripture will make you more a Pharisee than make you a follower we're going there today this will be a three-hour message y'all can leave keep the PA on <laughs> but I'm just trying to get through to you new year new view and and you can change your view You don't have to change your location to change your view. Somebody's going to get it today. You don't have to change your location to change your view. You know what? You can have a new wife. Why don't you hold her hand for the rest of this message? You can change your view right now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, something can happen right now. Man, expectations. There is surely a future hope. I love that word surely because it's like if I wrote scripture, I would use that word all the time surely surely there is a hope surely God is trying to communicate to you you do have a hope don't believe anything that tells you that you don't okay I'm going to pick up the pace but I want to tell you this a righteous expectation will always sound like a foolish declaration to the world See, what happens is we get our expectations in this this stratosphere where we're like, it's going to be amazing. We're going to conquer the world. We're going to lose all this weight. We're going to get in shape. We're going to launch all these locations. We're going to go into business and make six figures and retire early. We get our expectation here. And what happens is we begin to have those expectations so damaged that we're like, I'm not going to be a fool to have expectations again. When in fact, righteous expectations will require you to become like a fool. Because when I showed up to the graveyard of churches on Long Island, I had, there was a, a dash of foolishness that I had to throw in the cauldron before I got here. And when Julie, at a certain point in our history, said, this guy is a lust-filled, alcoholic, rock star wannabe, but my expectation of him is that he's going to become a lead pastor, she went to go sprinkle a little foolishness in and drop the whole thing. And, and what I'm trying to tell you today is God wants to give you permission to say, I am going to start pulling the full fo- because foolishness is a cousin to faith. You know what I'm saying? They're not the same thing, but they, they're cousins. OK, and sometimes you've got to start just just a little dash of foolishness and say, I'm going to believe for something crazy in my life. I'm going to believe that I could be madly in love again. I'm going to believe that there is a real man of God who is going to pursue me to marriage. I'm going to believe that I can have a kid even though the medicine says it's not possible. And you start to just use a little exercise, a little bit of that foolishness. And before you know, it might turn into faith when you get surrounded by your brothers and sisters here at V1 Church. And the last one is this. Willingness, W, new view, New year requires a willingness. First, I mean, come on, we're going to change our vocabulary. We're going to start talking about things differently. Here's the thing. There's a tremendous amount of purpose in your job, even if you hate it, if it pays your bills. Amen. There is a purpose in that job because you ate. And what's funny is we curse our job and we say we want to lose weight, but that job provided the food that caused us to gain it. And we are in a cycle of never being pleasable. And God's saying, new year, new view, homie. He says, homie. New vocabulary, then a new identity. Where you say, "Man, you maybe you got to tell some people right now. Start texting them from your phone. I'm a new person. I'm not going to talk the way I did last week at work. Hold me accountable to it. I'm an, I've got a new. I'm about to abide in Christ, and that's an act of rebellion. And then you change your expectations and say, "I will let myself. I'm going to give myself permission to expect greatness. I'm going to give myself permission to expect God to do something crazy. Every single." seat in this place we pray for and say, God, fill it with a soul. We expect you to move in this region. I expect the Northeast to be the new Bible belt by the time Mike Siggs gets laid down to rest. I expect this place to be plundered and and us to smell like smoke as we got one foot in the bowels of hell and one on Long Island clutching people and pulling them out before they have chance to drop in. I expect it. And the last one is, I'm willing, God. I'm stupid. I'm unqualified. I don't have a degree for that, but I'm willing to do whatever you tell me to do. I don't know how to be a good husband, but I will remain and abide in you until you teach me how to love her like you want me to love her. I don't know how to be a good dad because I had multiple emotionally and physically abusive stepfathers, but I've got a heavenly father who's loving me just right now, and I am willing to let him show me how to be that thing that seems impossible to be in my own ability. And I'm telling you this, God will do more with your willingness and your willingness and your willingness and your willingness. He will do more with your willingness than he will do with your intelligence. He will do more with your willingness than he will with your talent. He will do more with your will. Is somebody hear me preaching right now? Can can somebody help me out and stand to their feet and and act like we ain't going to preach this place down to close this thing out? He can do more with your willingness than he can with your connections. I lived my entire life feeling like, because I was orphaned, because I didn't have access to nepotism. You know what nepotism is? It's somebody's daddy or somebody's best friend making a golf course deal to get you connected. And I lived a lot A lot of my early adulthood and, and my life as a man feeling like, you know what? Because my dad's a murderer, because I come from another place, I don't have access to where they have access. Until God divinely spoke to me and said, son, you've got the only connection you ever needed. You're connected to the cross which connects you to heaven and there are storehouses of blessings and opportunities that I will pour out unto you and you do not know the limits of what I can do and people said how are you going to go into Long Island and launch a church with no connections I said I got the only one that really matters and they're going to ask you Well, you got this expectation for, because you heard that preacher on Sunday and and now you got this expectation. They're going to get in your face this week and they're going to say, well, who do you know to make that happen? Well, I'm glad you asked who I know to make that happen. I know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I'm telling you, it's the only person I need to know. And you've got to start to get audacious again and bold again and courageous again and let your faith arise again and, and don't stay down. And you got to get into a healthy church where people will say, hey, look, we're all messed up, but we're not staying messed up. And and I'm not perfect and you're not perfect, but, but together your strength is my weakness and my weakness is your strength. Let's If we could just get together, if we're connected in this thing called the body of Christ, we can actually show our children that the church was God's plan from the beginning. We can actually prove it. And where we fall short, that distance between my imperfection and his perfection is called grace. And if we can access that grace over and over again for each other and and, and for ourselves, you know, maybe you can't be proud of who you are right now, but you can be proud of who you're becoming, baby. Take a picture. Tell somebody next to you, because you're going to come back in a year and ain't going to look like this no more. I might, might not, there are times in my life where I've been able to go back and say, man, I'm not proud of the fact that even as a man of God, in air quotes, that my wife had to barricade the door because I was drunk and she said, don't leave the house, Mike, please. You're going to make a fool of yourself. Please, Mike, no. I couldn't really be proud of who I was. But all of a sudden, as I begin to access grace, God said, I'm proud of who you're gonna become. Yeah. Huh. And, and maybe you need to start getting a new view. Maybe you need to start, listen, as you start to talk about other people differently, God will give you access to a language to talk about yourself differently. You know, when I started to look at my father, my my biological father, I was like, I know exactly why he slipped into drugs. I know exactly why he slipped out. He watched his dad die prematurely. It was fear. He was making fear-based decisions. And I and I begin to pour out grace to my dad. And I begin to say, man, you know what? As I've made some mistakes of my own, I understand his mistakes a little. And as I begin to pour grace, the Lord was like, see, as you pour grace, grace is being poured unto you and as you begin to speak differently change your vocabulary yeah they heard me but they were ignorant they were living out to the measure of revelation that they had but i got a deeper revelation and you know you know what it is you can't keep the righteous down that's the revelation i got you may watch me fall several times but i ain't staying down and i've got a revelation that i'm buoyant in grace and i and you can hold my head underwater but long after you give up trying to keep me down i'm popping up uh, up above the surface because there is a buoyancy that i have through christ and I'm here to tell you that if you will receive him today and, and abide, 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 live. We don't Stop the visitation rights. This isn't a divorce. Heaven came. It was restored, that relationship, so you could live in your father's house. This ain't visitation. You see, you can live here now. I paid the ultimate price. The judge and the jury all had to say the same thing. They had to say, he's a free man now. Let him go. He's a free man. Does someone here want to get free with me? I said, is there someone here who wants to get free? There are people that you're just starting to move right now as as you hear Brent singing. And here's what I want to do. I want you to just close your eyes. Come on, the rain's coming. The rain's coming. You know, borrow my faith. If you've got to borrow my faith, borrow my faith in this moment. I'm here to tell you, it's coming. It's going to change. Close your eyes in this place right now. And and as this song just continues to be sung in this atmosphere, I want you to say, God, change my view. I want you to get a picture right now. Come on, change my view, God. I'm not talking about vision for the future. I'm saying before you walk out of this theater, change my view, God. Come on, come on. This is what I want to do right now. I want, I want us to all pray together, but before we do, I, I think it's important that we make a commitment that we acknowledge something that's happening on the inside, and some of you probably felt it kicking in your stomach, but with every eye closed and nobody looking around, is there anyone here who's like, I want to dedicate my life to Jesus before I walk out of here? Would you just slip your hand up? Is there anyone here? Man, come on, there's so many people. Anyone else? <laughs> Hallelujah. You could put your hands down. See now, listen, that's that decision you just made was one of the boldest decisions. You just made a public declaration for Jesus. When you raise your hand, you're saying, I'm not ashamed of that man, Jesus. And and so therefore you just become an heir of everything i was preaching about today. So what we're going to do is you're just going to borrow my words and we're going to pray this together. And for those of you who didn't raise your hand, maybe you 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 are abiding in Jesus and but i want you to use your voice so that they can hear their brothers and sisters in this place and know that we're in this thing together. We're going to pray this thing out and then and then what we're going to do is we have prayer partners who are in the back of the auditorium all the way up top and and they actually want to pray for you and with you and they want to speak a specific word into your life and so after we pray this prayer and we say amen you can make your way up there to receive prayer before you leave okay so everyone just let's just pray this together just say heavenly father I thank you for your son Jesus who died for me so that I can be free I receive that freedom I choose today to abide in you New year, new view. New year, new view. Receive my life. I give you everything today. Trusting that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, amen. Can we lift it up? Come on, let's sing it out. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.